Villainous, a Good Omens fan fiction, written by Ineffable Penguin, read aloud by Sky Asimaru. If you enjoy this podfic, you can check out the original story, an archive of our own. If you would like to hear more of my recordings, or see some of my own work, you can find me through the pen and screen name of Sky Asimaru. Villainous. Chapter 5. Hello Again. Crow slept late the next day, per usual, and woke gritty-eyed and fuddled from dreams of flaming swords and blue eyes, which was not usual at all. He sent a raven off to the council with a message about his conquest then resolved to forget the entire thing until further notice. He'd have to endure the trip to Pandemonium soon enough, so might as well give himself a break until then. He needed to clear his head, and his favorite place to do that was at the Eden Ruins. Deep in the wood, far to the east, only a couple miles from his gate, was a clearing with what had once been a small palace, or maybe a large manor of some kind. Old, very old, clearly pre-war, the kind of quiet, forgotten place where time seems to hold its breath. It was nestled among a particularly thick grove of ancient trees, and benefited from the same overgrown terrain that kept wanderers away from the eastern gate. Crow had no idea what the actual name of the place was, or if it ever had a proper name at all. The first time he ever stumbled upon it, fifteen years ago, he'd found a piece of shattered stone with those four letters carved upon it. E. D. E. N. Just a scrap of some larger word. Crow skidded out of his quickening spell before the trees could grow too thick, startling a flock of blackbirds into flight and setting a red squirrel angrily scolding at the intrusion. Humming cheerfully, he brushed himself off and walked the last few hundred yards into the familiar clearing. His booted feet made no noise on the thick, green grass. This place had once been grand, long ago. You could still catch a glimpse of the building's past glory in the color of the fine white marble, the carven pillars that lay here and there, and sections of paneled stone walls that still remained. But time and encroaching nature, and possibly even the war, had eaten away at it until all that was left was a crumbling ruin. He privately thought it was even more beautiful like this, in a wild and rather lonely sort of way. Here and there, an elegant archway had survived, even when the walls had not, like some fairy door to nowhere all held together with patches of lichen and creeping vines, tall clusters of foxglove and lavender 
and bright nameless pink wildflowers dotted the area. Sunlight broke through the leafy canopy above to paint the jagged edges of the marble in gold. New, younger saplings had also sprung up all around, a miniature wood within the wood. In all these years of coming here, he had never once been disturbed, and that was enough to make it his favorite spot in all the world, his own secret home away from home, where he could fully unclench. He also liked the flowers, and the many tumbled and broken pillars made for great places to sit and enjoy a meal, or take a nap, or drink. Today was a drinking day. Crow hefted his bag over his shoulder and licked his lips in anticipation. Yeah, this was just what he needed after the chaos of yesterday. A nice, uncomplicated day, without interruptions or distractions, or Haster lurking about, or complications. A day to relax and get completely sloshed in peace. He flopped down in one of his favorite spots, a shady nook against a big corner of vine-covered wall that seemed to still be standing out of pure stubbornness. A touch and a word set the vine blooming with tiny, white, star-shaped flowers. Much better. He sighed and stretched out on his back, put his feet up, squirmed around to get comfortable, and began to open the wine bottle with single-minded determination. And then he heard it. A noise. Not a big noise, but this one made him pop upright like a gopher and freeze in place because it wasn't familiar at all. After fifteen years, he knew every tiny sound this place made, from creaking foliage to small animals rustling through, and that one was out of place. It sounded almost like metal jingling, and it was very close. Had someone followed him? He left the bottle where it was and got to his feet as silently as he could. He crouched there with hands splayed flat on the ground, ears stretched wide and listening. There, the jingling sound again. It was coming from his right, just on the other side of his piece of shattered wall, in the direction of the largest and most open part of the ruins. He readied his magic and peeked over the edge of the stone. There was a horse standing, grazing at the overgrown grass, a huge, white, shaggy horse with gold-touched leather bridle that jingled as the animal yanked up a mouthful of pink wildflowers. <sighs> That's completely impossible. It can't be. Crow stepped soft-footed around the corner, and as his field of vision widened, he stopped. Before him was the strangest, most wildly unexpected sight he had ever seen. Prince Azra from the Eastern Gate was sitting there cross-legged on a chunk of broken marble. 
in the middle of what had originally been a courtyard of some kind. He had a book in his hand, and he was reading. He wore a sky-blue brocade doublet, buttoned carefully to the throat, despite the heat of the day, with a white silk chemise peeking out the ends of the sleeves. A pair of tiny, gold-rimmed glasses were perched on his upturned nose. Bright streamers of sunshine poured through the trees to pool upon him where he sat, casting him in a sparkling, ethereal glow. His artifact sword lay discarded in front of him on the ground, and he had what looked like the remnants of a lunch laid out on a napkin beside him. He was contentedly chewing away as he daintily turned a page with the very tip of thumb and forefinger, humming to himself, and he looked completely, utterly happy. The horse saw Crow first. Its ears pricked forward, and its enormous head swung towards him with a snort. Engrossed in his book, the prince didn't notice a thing, even when he took a couple of steps directly towards him. Crow folded his arms. Ahem! Prince Azra leapt up with a gasp, as if the seat had stung his arse, sending the book flying. He grabbed for his sword in a panic, then looked up and froze. His mouth fell open. Crow? he asked sounding as stunned as Crow felt. He straightened, holding the sword, but keeping the sharp point down at his side. The glasses had fallen off his nose and were swinging wildly from a fine gold chain around his neck. Yummy! What are you doing here? Crow demanded. Beneath the shock, a warmth was rising in the pit of his stomach. He remembered my name. A small part of himself whispered in delight. Oh, shut it! Another part scoffed. When the prince just stood there, sword in hand and looking at him, Crow raised an eyebrow. Uh, are you going to stab me with that thing? Oh, no, of course not! Prince Azra looked down, like he had forgotten he was holding it. He gave his blonde head a little shake, and returned the sword to its scabbard, then smiled and clasped his hands together nervously behind his back. I beg your pardon. You gave me quite a fright. For a moment there, I thought you were... Uh, well... He flushed and shut his mouth. A sorcerer? Crow guessed with a smirk. Azra flushed harder. Well, yes... A different sorcerer, I should say. One that, you know. Yeah, I know, Crow said dryly. You're in luck. It's only me. Without his armor, Prince Azra was even less intimidating than at first meeting. In fact, now Crow could see that his physique was not exactly, uh, what you would call heroic at all. More like a scholar or baker. Comfortable, that was the word. No sharp angles on him. His comfortably plump figure was softly rounded in every place that could be, 
nothing like the other nobles he had seen. Not frail, though, Crow noted. Those shoulders were broad, with the natural weight of a man that spent some time in armor, or hauling around his fair share of heavy riding equipment. He was probably quite strong, now that he thought about it. Though why he was thinking about any of this was beyond him. Well, fancy running into you here, of all places, Azra said brightly, for all the world as if they had met in some city taproom, and not the absolute middle of nowhere. What brings you here to this part of the woods? Those little eye crinkles were getting a workout. Why the hell did Azra look so pleased to see him? It was throwing Crow off balance. He hated feeling off balance. I've been coming here for years. I only live a couple miles that way. He jerked his head back towards the way he'd come. What are you doing here? I thought you were supposed to be miles away, up guarding that gate. Guarding it with your life, if I remember right. Ah, yes, that... Azra shuffled his booted feet uncomfortably. Well, after what you said in our last conversation, I concluded that you were right, and there really isn't a need for a guard at that gate. There was a note of defeat in his voice. It's fairly clear that it's not used, and that I wasn't making a lick of difference there. It's the last day of my assignment, so... I thought there'd be no harm in exploring the woods a bit instead. Two days of standing about in that armor was quite enough. And you just happened upon this place? Oh, so dippity. You're a funny bastard. Why, yes, about an hour ago. It seemed a lovely place to sit and have lunch. What a pleasant coincidence. Crow cocked his head at him certain that he was being made fun of, but the artless expression didn't waver. Huh, he actually meant it. Oh! Suddenly remembering, the prince hastily bent and scooped up his fallen book from the grass and examined it closely. He made a noise of dismay, like a mouse being trod on. Oh, no! Oh, blast it! I bent a corner! he exclaimed. Oh, all these years I've kept it absolutely pristine, and now this. His face crumpled in distress, and he held the book as if it were a wounded animal instead of paper and leather. One of the nicest books in my collection, too. Crow held out his hand with a sigh. Give it here. Prince Azra looked at him in alarm, and clutched the book to his chest. Why? Oh, for... I'm not going to eat the thing. Just let me see it. The prince reluctantly handed it over, and Crow squinted at the title. Fables of the Cerulean Sea. Huh. There was a tiny crease in the red leather at the very bottom corner of the cover. It was barely noticeable. That's what you're so upset about? You can't even tell. But I'll always know that it's damaged now, Ezra said mournfully, 
with the kind of dramatic, resigned sorrow usually reserved for announcing one's imminent death. Hmm. Crow managed not to laugh, but he couldn't repress all of his smile. A twiddle of fingers and a muttered charm of mending, and the creased area flattened out again. The finger twiddling wasn't necessary, but a bit of flair never hurt anything. He held the now crease-free book back out to him. There you go, good as new. The prince shot him a startled look, then took the book and stared at it. His expression slowly changed from disbelief to amazed joy, as if Crow had saved his firstborn rather than smoothed the bit of crimped leather. Oh my, how remarkable! He looked up and beamed at him. Thank you! Crow's breath caught. That smile was exactly as bright as it had been in his memory, and as startling, all the more so for being directed at him. No one had ever in his life smiled like that at him. It created that funny jolting in his chest again, as if some internal organ had made a sudden two-step sideways. Could organs move? He hadn't thought they could, but recently they seemed to have become shockingly mobile. He cleared his throat and crossed his arms and gave a nonchalant jerk of one shoulder. Eh, it was nothing. Oh, but it wasn't. How wonderful to be able to fix things like that. Prince Azra beamed and smoothed the hand over the book's leather and gold cover, stroking it like a cat. He had pleasantly strong-looking hands, even if he did wear too much jewellery. What an incredible relief! I'd best put this away before anything else happens to it. He looked up and clicked his tongue. What? A second later, there was a hot, moist woof directly on the back of Crow's neck as the enormous white mare blew out a breath. Nonchalance evaporated. He nearly achieved flight as he jumped and flailed, only to have his feet tangle beneath him and send him sprawling. He hit the mossy ground hard on his back with a painful clack of teeth and an oof as all the breath was knocked clean out of him. Oh, oh dear, I'm so terribly sorry. Azra hurried over, aghast. I didn't mean to startle you. I thought you noticed her behind you. <sighs> Crow groaned and stared dazedly up at him, looming above him like that, with the sun behind him. The prince was dazzling bright and larger than life. For an instant, Crow was assaulted by a flash of vivid memory of all the times he'd been on his back, just like this, with a fiery-eyed, armored knight swinging his sword down towards him, just before he blasted them to ash. The vision faded, and it was not an armored figure at all, but just Azra in his ridiculous blue doublet, bending over him with wide eyes that showed nothing but genuine concern. Fluffy blonde curls caught the light and made a blazing halo around his head. 
he offered a ringed hand down to him. Are you all right? Cheeks flaming, more embarrassed than he would have thought possible, Crow took his hand. Azra pulled him to his feet with a single effortless tug. There was some real muscle in those soft-looking arms. Yeah, fine, he mumbled. I'll just startle easily. He brushed himself off and tried to act as if nothing had happened. I'm ever so sorry. I'm so used to her that I forget sometimes how intimidating she can be. Asra sighed and tucked the book carefully into his saddlebag. Crow caught a glimpse of other books crammed in there. Interesting. Azra gave the horse a fond pat as it ambled off to do whatever horses did. Uh, thank you for fixing my book. He hesitated. He wore a gold signet ring on the smallest finger of his right hand and began twisting it round in what looked like an old, fidgety habit. In return, I don't suppose, I could interest you in a cup of wine. He gestured with courtly grace to a bottle sitting next to his marble seat. Crow looked uncertainly at him. You want me to stay and have a drink, he repeated, just to make sure he had heard properly. Well, yes. Is that even allowed? Azra apparently didn't notice the sarcasm and seemed to consider this quite seriously. Well, most certainly not, but I wouldn't mind a bit of company all the same. He glanced nervously about. And there's no one else around to see, so I don't see how it can do any harm. Wow, such a bold, ringing endorsement. Crow did let himself grin now. Don't mind if I do. As it so happens, I came here to drink anyway. Ooh, well then, Azra smiled and made a polite little bow of invitation. After you. Crow ducked around the corner to retrieve his own wine, then plunked himself down on the nearest fallen pillar. Azra seated himself on the one across from him, much more gracefully, and began to work open the cork of his bottle, a beribboned thing of deep blue glass. This, he said with obvious pride, is a fruit ice wine from one of our wineries. Huh, is it any good? I've never had ice wine before. Really? Well then, let me tempt you to some. He held out the bottle expectantly. I'm afraid we'll have to drink it warm, but it will still be delicious. Crow regarded it thoughtfully. Seems a shine, he mused aloud, darting a sidelong glance. I could do something about that, if you like. Chill the wine, I mean. It was a risky offer that made his pulse leap, but the prince hadn't panicked at the mending incant, so... You mean, with more magic? Azra asked, with a hint of childlike awe. Sure, if you don't mind me meddling with dark forces best left alone. Crow raised an eyebrow. 
and if you promise not to scream or throw that knife in your boot at me. Azra gave him an arch look. I think I can restrain myself, provided you don't get up to any sorcerous shenanigans. <laughs> shenanigans are my specialty. Crow reached over as non-threateningly as he could and gently tapped the blue bottle with one forefinger. Just a simple spell to draw out heat. A patina of white frost crept across the dark blue glass, giving off a cloud of pale vapor. The prince's eyes went a little wide, but to Crow's relief, he didn't otherwise react. Well, that's, that's quite the handy trick as well. Forces of darkness have their benefits. Azra poured them each a measure of ice wine, then they tapped cups and drank. The cold, pale wine tasted of honey and something fruity, a dessert all in itself, much, much too sweet for him. Ugh, but it felt rude to say so. Mm, it's good. Crow swallowed desperately a few times and resolved to take smaller sips. Is that pear I taste? Oh, yes, Azra said. He took a slow sip of his own wine, and his eyes slid shut as he gave an appreciative sigh. Mmm, I love pears. It's why I chose this one. Looking at him, Crow had to suppress another grin. Azra sat there in his brocade finery, with his ankles primly crossed and back straight, for all the world looking like he was drinking in some luxurious parlor rather than sitting on centuries-old marble in the middle of a forest. He took dainty sips, rolling each one on his tongue before swallowing, as if trying to make his cup last as long as possible, eyes half-closed, with a faint smile on his lips. The picture of simple decadence. He radiated a sense of absolute peace with the world that Crow had never seen from anyone before, something that drew the eyes and made him want to keep looking and looking and looking. Crow tore his eyes away and took another hasty sip. So, uh, if guard duty is useless... I guess you'll be going back home, then? Ah, Azra cleared his throat. <clears> throat> no, not exactly. I mean, yes, tomorrow I will, since this first assignment is done. But as for it being useless, well, I thought I would simply decline to mention it. Azra blushed and took a dignified sip of wine to try and cover it. Make a holiday of the situation, while it lasts. I imagine if I keep to the wood during the days, I should be safe enough. Crow looked doubtfully at him. A holiday? Sitting around in the forest? The Apollyon Forest? For days at a time? Is a holiday for you? It seemed bizarre for someone used to luxury. I'd think you'd be itching to get back to your... Shiny palace full of servants. Well, the prince looked down at his feet and shifted guiltily. 
It's only that, while I'm down here, no one asks me to joust, or fight, or anything like that. No one natters at me. I can have lunch and read my books in peace, and do as I please. He said this all very softly, as if admitting something shameful. He gave a worried half-smile. I suppose that sounds terribly selfish of me, doesn't it? Huh. Crow chewed that surprising revelation over for a second or two. No, actually. I understand that more than I'd like. There's nothing selfish about wanting to be left bloody well alone. He choked down the final sip of sugary sweet ice wine with an internal sigh of relief and sloshed some of his unassuming red into the cup. So, you're going to come all the way down here and play at guard duty, all so you can get more reading time in, is that it? Azra looked chagrined. That, that is about the shape of it, yes. Well, aren't you the rebel? said Crow. Deadpan. Azra nodded and fretted at a loose thread on his breeches, the sarcasm again, whistling directly over his blonde head. Gabriel would be quite upset. It's been worrying me. He looked anxiously at him. Please, don't tell anyone. Crow snorted. <laughs> Your secret is safe with me. Who would I tell? I'm not going to go waltzing into your palace to have a chat with the king, am I? Uh, yes, I suppose that's true. Azra's face cleared, and that smile flashed out again, startling. Thank you. That does make me feel much better. Uh, uh, glad to help. Crow glanced away, trying not to let on what a jumble that smile made of his thoughts. He very much liked his smile, he decided. He liked his entire rosy-cheeked, good-natured face, if he was honest with himself, which was a very odd feeling. All of this was a very odd feeling. It was just so unexpected, that was all. For his entire life, people's reactions to him fell into one of three categories. Terror, hatred, or condescension, often some blend of the three. This was simply weird. Lifting the cup back to his lips, he snuck a glance back over and caught Azra watching him, not with fear or suspicion, but only clear-eyed curiosity. Uh, what? It's only that... You're not exactly what I would have expected. From what I've always been told, and what I've read, about sorcerers. From what you've read? Crow laughed and gave him a sly look. <laughs> what have you read? Now I need to know. Well, you know, in all the plays and stories, sorcerers are constantly up to no good. Burning kingdoms to the ground, poisoning young maidens, or enchanting them to eternal sleep, or kidnapping princesses, that sort of thing. Eh, Crow said, thinking with a guilty start of Princess Adelina. Well, I guess I'm what you could call an 
underachiever. But uh, never mind the stories, then. What do people up there say? He had always been curious, but he couldn't exactly saunter up to the nearest villager and ask. Oh, I... Uh, well, I really shouldn't lower myself to repeating gossip. Azra shifted his shoulders uncomfortably. It's probably all nonsense, now I think about it. Most people up there have never even seen a sorcerer before. It's all just stories and illustrations, and some of them even show sorcerers with things, which is clearly untrue. Though I must say the pictures don't begin to do your eyes justice. Eyes? Shit! Adrenaline shot through Crow in a red flash of panic, and he froze in his seat. Azra had been acting so, so bloody normal that he'd completely forgotten. He wasn't wearing his glasses today. He had expected to be alone. He'd been just sitting here all this time with his unnatural yellow eyes on full display. He felt suddenly, horribly, exposed and embarrassed, like realizing he'd gone out without breeches on. Too late, too late, too late. He forced his fingers to relax their death grip on the wine cup before he could break it. Don't be stupid. It isn't as though it were a secret. He exhaled dredged up a cocky smirk, and stared directly at him. A challenge. Like him? he asked sarcastically. Azra smiled and nodded, all innocent sincerity and not an ounce of fear. Oh, yes, I do. They're quite a lovely golden colour, like topaz. Topaz are my favourite gems. Well, those and sapphires, I would say. Crow felt the smirk slide off his face, planned retorts dying on his tongue. He couldn't think of a single thing to say to that. He glanced away, face growing strangely hot. Well, swallowing took a lot more effort than it should have. He took a swig of wine to cover his awkwardness and cleared his throat. <clears> throat> Might want to reconsider, he said with forced nonchalance. They're the mark of a malignant spirit upon us. Hadn't you heard? I had heard that. Azra hesitated, then gently asked, Do you think that's what they are? Uh, you're asking if I think I'm cursed? <laughs> Depends on the day, I guess. Crow gulped another mouthful of wine and shrugged. Hardly matters what, I think. Everyone already knows that our souls are corrupted from birth. He meant it to sound careless, but the bitterness in his own voice surprised him. An awkward silence descended on the clearing. Crow felt a hot flush of shame creeping up the back of his neck and he just hoped his face wasn't turning red, too. Why the hell had he said that? He hadn't meant to take such a sour turn. He hadn't meant to say so much at all. But Azra had such a, an easy warmth to him that invited confidence. Brilliant. Just brilliant. 
you feel comfortable around him. So you snap his head off. Fantastic logic. Might as well punch him too, just to be thorough. He might not be quite repulsed enough yet. Will, that sounds like absolute poppycock to me, Azra said with asperity. Crow looked up at him, startled. Azra's face had scrunched into an indignant little frown, lips pursed, but he wasn't frowning at him. He sniffed disapprovingly and crossed his right leg over his left. Will, I'm sorry, but it does. I don't see how anyone's soul could already be corrupted at birth. Such nonsense! He sounded so primly offended by the idea that Crow coughed out a surprised laugh. <laughs> yeah, I don't either. After another awkward silence, he shook his head and gave his best wry grin to lighten the mood. But go on, don't let me stop you. You were about to tell me what everyone says about sorcerers up in your kingdoms. Do they still say we strip naked and commune with evil by the light of the full moon? Not any more, Azra said. A guilty smile crept across his face. I believe the prevailing rumour is that you can travel anywhere instantly in a puff of smoke. <laughs> that would be nice, Crow commented wistfully. Can't you? Azra asked, curiously. Afraid not. I can run really fast for a bit, but I can't simply vanish and appear at will. Oh, that's a pity, though I suppose it makes sense. Can you control the weather? Ha! We only wish we could. Crow poured himself some more wine. Sure, we can move a bit of wind in a pinch. That's just shifting energy around, but that's all. Oh... His disappointment was palpable. That's a pity. I really enjoyed that part of Flame and Fury. Have you seen it? Where the sorcerer commands a storm. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. If I could create weather... Crow trailed off, imagining it. I'd dump a cyclone right over the capital, he said with relish. Azra chuckled at that. <laughs> My, how diabolical. Thanks. Can you read minds? Of course. I'm reading yours right now. Crow leaned forward and squinted intently at him and twiddled his fingers. Uh, really? The blue eyes had widened. An evil grin. <laughs> no. Azra gave him a look that could curdle milk and it only made him grin harder. <laughs> mm. What about raising the dead? Crow felt his grin falter for just a second. No, no, we can't do that. If Azra noticed his hesitation, he said nothing. And transforming, can you transform yourself into a serpent? What? That was a new one to Crow and he leaned eagerly forward. Oh, tell me more. Can we turn into giant serpents, or merely an average-sized snake? 
Azra winced apologetically. Oh, dear, giant serpents, as the rumor goes. I believe the idea is, is that you are demonic serpents, who can turn into men, which always seemed far-fetched to me. And, well, it's one theory as to where the yellow eyes come from. Ha! Afraid not. The only thing I can transform myself into is a corpse, if I'm not careful enough with certain spells. He waved an expansive hand, inviting. Go on, then. Now I'm curious. What's the most shocking, horrifying, outrageous thing you've ever heard people say about sorcerers? And don't be shy. I won't be angry. Well... I suppose it would be that, that you drink the blood of children to gain your powers, Azra said hesitantly, and then hastened to add, But of course, I never believed that one. White, White, are you saying, Crow said slowly, that you lot don't ever drink it? Azra froze, staring at him with mouth open, in a confused mix of horror and disgust, until Crow burst out laughing. <laughs> he laughed so hard that he lost his balance and slid off his marble pillar, clutching his sides, while Azra flushed scarlet in embarrassment. Scoundrel, he said, drawing himself up with wounded dignity. That was not very nice at all. <laughs> Scoundrels aren't supposed to be nice, but it was funny. Crow pulled himself back up onto his seat, still grinning, trying to get himself under control before the giggles turned to hiccoughs. Oh, good Lord. Azra was staring down at his wine now, bright pink and chagrined. I suppose I should have known better. It's only that all the stories, and people make the wildest claims about magic. They call it, well, they call magic users unnatural. Hedge witches, too, but mostly sorcerers. Crow nodded, unsurprised. Hmm, uh, probably because we're flashier than they are. I don't know much about hedge witches. I've only ever met one but I'm not sure how it can get any more natural for us. We don't need some elaborate ritual. We're born with the magic. It's even in the origins of the name. Source. Sorcerer. The ancients weren't very creative. He took a swig of wine to wet his mouth, warming to his subject. It can be kind of unpredictable, with a mind of its own. We just have to learn to control it. He sighed in frustration. People think we're just chock full of arcane secrets, but we can't do nearly as much as everyone thinks we can. Maybe centuries ago, back before the war, but now we've just got the bare minimum, which is... He shrugged and suddenly realized that this was the absolute last information he should be blabbing out to the enemy. Shit! What was he doing? If the council ever got wind of this, best change the subject as quickly as possible. Um, so, about those other nobles. 
Time for a bit of payback. He leaned intently forward. I've always wondered about you, Imperion nobility. Do you not inbreed? Azra, who had been listening with a fascinated expression on his face, gave an indignant gasp. <gasps> Unfortunately for him, he had also been halfway through a sip of wine and immediately began to choke. <coughs> I beg your pardon, Azra spluttered, coughing as soon as he caught his breath. Do we what? Well, it seems the only plausible explanation for most of the nobles I've encountered. Azra appeared to swell with indignation, like a bullfrog. He looked like he couldn't decide whether to laugh out loud or be truly offended, all while still coughing, and the result was a series of prissy little hiccups that he unsuccessfully tried to cover with his hand as he tried to speak. <coughs> I never, no, we most certainly do not inbreed. Thank you very much. Crow began to laugh again. <laughs> Azra glared and threw his wine cup at him, which he dodged. Oh, you little... This is what I get for sharing my wine with a scoundrel. He sat there and sputtered for another couple seconds, watching Crow laugh himself out, his entire body stiff with affronted dignity. He finally deflated and sighed in exasperation. <coughs> Though I suppose, if you had met Michael... I could rather understand where you got that idea, he muttered, narrow-eyed. Crow snorted, their eyes met, and then they were both laughing. Azra covered his mouth with both hands to try and contain his giggles, face still bright red, but this time with guilty laughter. His shoulders shook as he struggled for control. <laughs> <laughs> Not so holier than thou, after all. How about that? Crow finally settled back into his seat, wiping tears out of his eyes. He couldn't remember the last time he had laughed like that. Probably never, in his entire life, now that he thought about it. He picked up the thrown wine cup and offered it back to him. Smiling and shaking his head, Azra accepted it. He glanced up at the sky, which drew attention to the fact that it had grown much darker and cooler. They had talked long enough for the sun to start going down. How remarkable, and stupid. The reality of the bizarre situation hit Crow like a slap. He could practically hear Father shouting in his ear, he could see Lord Beals glaring at him. Every law of Apollyon society demanded that he kill Azra and go home. And here he was, casually sitting and joking with him, spilling trade secrets, just as if they were the best of friends. This was treason, more trouble than he had ever heard of. He looked at the blonde prince at his smiling, still-red face, 
and felt lighter than he could ever remember. He knew somehow, instinctively, that Azra wasn't going to betray him. It didn't make any sense at all, but it was there, and he realized with a jolt of stubborn certainty that he did not want to give him up. Whatever this was that Azra had about him, this magnetic pool, this eccentric kindness that made him look at Crow like a person instead of a dangerous animal, he wanted more of it. Did I really just meet this man yesterday? I feel like I've known him for years. Ah, to hell with the law. He'd never done what he was supposed to, so why start now? Trouble was his specialty, and some things, some things were well worth it. I've got an idea, he heard himself say. He picked up the blue ice wine bottle and refilled Azra's empty cup. If we're both going to be lurking around this forest anyway, what say we meet up here at the same time and have a drink again? And, he said on impulse, I flatter myself that I make a decent chocolate cake. I can bring that next time. A little bribe couldn't hurt. Ooh! Discomfort flitted across Azra's face, smile fading, and he shifted in his seat. I'm not so sure that's a good idea. Why not? Well, you know... He made a fluttery little hand gesture and sipped at his fresh wine. Certainly I'd like to, and of course this chance encounter has been a fun diversion, but at the end of the day you represent the opposition. An intentional meeting would be entirely against the rules. If either of our sides found out, my brothers, or your council, who's going to tell them? Azra hesitated, biting at his lip. Just think, every moment we're having a drink is another moment I'm not free to sneak up north and cause trouble, eh? Personally keeping an eye on me, thwarting my dastardly plans, protecting your kingdom like the good soldier you are. Azra pursed his lips now, and gave him a shrewd sideways look that clearly said, I see what you're doing, fiend. Go on, Crow wheedled. You're already bucking those precious rules to come down here. A little more won't hurt. Chocolate cake. Scintillating conversation. Thwarting. What more could you possibly want? The prince dithered a little more, tapping his fingers on his knee. I suppose, when you put it that way, no one could object. Since you're the only sorcerer who knows about that gate, I do rather have a duty to see the job done properly. He spoke softly, like he was trying to convince himself. Exactly. Hmm... The only thing is, I'm not certain when I will be coming this way again, Azra said, with a thoughtful frown. I imagine it will be soon, but it will be at the whim of the king, 
and I have no way to reach you. Ah, now that I can help with. Here. Crow dug into one of his cloak pockets. In his opinion, a good cloak could never have too many, and this one had been a custom commission from a master tailor. There were over a dozen clever little pockets, sewn all along the inside lining, and from one of the smaller ones, he produced two slim black ribbons. Tie one of these to any messenger bird, and it will fly straight to my tower. Just send me a note when you know your schedule. Any bird? Really? Azra took the ribbons and peered at them in more awe than seemed warranted. There wasn't much to see, just a couple lengths of ordinary black silk. How is that possible? Crow made what he hoped was an elegant sorceress flourish with his fingers and tried his best to look mysterious. Dark magic, he said seriously. One of the most useful magical skills that had survived the war was the ability to spell objects to act as a sort of anchor linked to a particular place. It wouldn't work on humans, but in animals it would create an irresistible urge, drawing them inexorably back to the spot, like a piece of stretched rubber. This conveniently allowed sorcerers to send posts quickly between places without the hassle of finding a bird from their destination. Uh, just be sure to use a bird that knows your palace, so I can send something right back. Very well. Yes, I'd like that. It'll be nice to have someone to talk to. Azra gingerly tucked the two ribbons into a pocket in his breeches, then glanced back up at the sky. Goodness, I didn't even realize how late it was. I'd best get a wiggle on if I'm going to make it back to the inn in time for dinner. He pulled an elaborate gold watch on a long chain from his pocket and clicked it briefly open to check the time. I'm staying at the Golden Pony up in Tadfield. Lovely place. They said it was roast goose tonight, and I wouldn't want to miss that. Get a wiggle on? Crow opened his mouth, but thought better of it. Right. Definitely can't miss that. I guess I'll head along as well. Azra beamed as he stood and offered him a hand again to shake. <laughs> Until we meet again, then. Over the years, Crow had come to recognize particular moments in his life that were turning points. When he found the Book of Botany, the day he finally realized he had no necromancy talent, the day his father died, the day he had bought his tower and essentially told the sorcerer world to sod off, there was usually a little voice inside, some kind of deeply buried intuition that whispered that this was the beginning of something significant. As Azra smiled and offered him his hand, Crow felt that peculiar lurch again as if the entire earth had suddenly tilted ever so slightly towards him, and one thought sparked through the far back of his mind.
like flint striking steel, gone almost too quickly to see. I'm fucked. But he only shook Azra's hand and slung his bag over his shoulder as he stood with a jaunty grin. Mind how you go. I hear there are wicked folk in this part of the world. End of chapter 5 Thank you for reading. Please drop by the archive and let the author know what you thought of their work.